Welcome to the World Art Now podcast, exploring the world through the material culture of its people, in association with Michael Backman Limited. Hi, it's Michael Backman and Sarah Corbett. And we were thinking what we would discuss for this podcast is the concept of curiosity, being curious and, and staying curious and staying energised uh, and engaged with the world as, as you get older. Um, and I think this is a really important topic for, for us and for uh, our clients and, and, and collectors and so on, because the one reason why people collect and continue to collect um, over their life uh, or their lives um, is because they're curious, that they, they're still learning. And I, I think that's a really important driver for what it is and, and what we do and, and the sort of people that we deal with uh, in, in this sort of business, in the gallery, in, in, in the art world and so on. Um, and it occurred to, I was thinking about this the, the other day, uh, you know, when you're quite young and, and you travel for the first time uh, or you start to as an adult, you have that sensation of you go to perhaps a new city and, and you check into a hotel and you drop your bags and you think, oh my God, I'm, I'm somewhere new, I've never been here before. You drop your bags and you get out there and you just roam the city and, and to, to just absorb as much information as possible. Then in a few years' time, you check into the hotel and um, there's probably a bit of a turning point where you, you drop your bag and then you sort of think, actually, I think I'll unpack and um, and you think, uh oh, is this some sort of? <laughs> have I reached some sort of point in my it's life? A floodgate here. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh oh. And um, and then um, then you still think, no, no, no. I'll, I'll unpack a bit, and then I'll go out and 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 explore. Then I think a few years on from that, you probably go to a new city, you check in, and um, uh, you 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 unpack. Then you have a look at the room service menu, um, and you think, God, have I reached some other sort of point in my life of, of sort of. Um, you know, sort of the, the, the loss of energy or the loss what of curiosity. What is it I'm hungry for now? Yeah, I know. And, and of course, the complete disaster is when you check in and, and you open the minibar before you do any, anything else <laughs> and, uh, and and then reach for the room service menu and then stay in for that night watching, um, you know, sort of satellite TV. So um, the thing is, is, is about, you know, you've got to really maintain your curiosity and, and your energy and, and you've, you've got to keep cultivating it throughout your life. And... Uh, it's an essential part of what we do. So um, for you, yes, you haven't lost your energy, enthusiasm or curiosity. So why does it perpetuate oh, for you? Oh, Sarah, it's a bit of a battle sometimes um, <laughs> as one gets older. No, but I, I think, uh, I think um, probably the world divides into people who have lost their curiosity and, and those who maintain it. But no, I think we are still quite curious. I, I certainly am. And what, what's wonderful is that... Uh, you know, in the business that we're involved in, and and also both as a dealer and as a as a collector and an appreciator of art, the world is so marvelously complicated and complex, and information has never been so so cheap to acquire because of the internet and so on, and because of how many wonderful museums there are that you know we can visit and and, and so on. So it, it's it's quite exhilarating how much information we can get a, lay our hands on, and and. Um, and what it means is, is that everything we come across is, is just has new meaning and, and, and new interests because it's, uh, everything has a story. I think for me it's the connections between those pieces of information that really make me 
fired up to just push the understanding a bit further, you can find fact A over here and fact B over here, both related to an object that perhaps you're currently trying to learn more about. And you find a strand that connects one to another. Yes. And then you think, oh, it's worth pursuing this further because now I know this, I can look at these yes. aspects as well. I think for me, that quest to understand more keeps me very curious. Oh, yeah, it, it's um, it's quite a privilege to to be able to research and, and have time to research and, and have the excuse and to be rewarded for your research. You know, obviously we're rewarded with what we do because uh, we, we sell the objects and so on. In the past, when I was writing books, I, I think I've written eight or nine books on uh, all sorts of things, I remember at one point I, I thought, I don't know much about Central Asia, and my publisher said to me, you know, what? book are you going to write next? And I deliberately wrote into the chapter outline a whole series of chapter, chapters on Central Asia, and not because I was an expert, but simply because I thought what I am expert in is probably research, and, and what I'll do is I'll educate myself about this. This gives and, me and, a reason to look yeah, into it really deeply yeah, and give it the time. Very much. And it's the same now when we acquire objects. We broadly know what an object is, uh, but, but then as you research and go deeper and deeper and deeper into it, it it's quite phenomenal where it takes you. And uh, when we're producing, say, uh, the monthly catalogues that we do, I, I do most of the research um, because I love it. And um, I often buy things simply because because uh, I want to write it up and, and you know, go through the books and, and, and you know, talk with you and, and others to work out what things are. And um, we're not always right. And, um, you know, sometimes we, we put things out and uh, in our monthly catalogue and, and we're not right. And, and but there's often, someone out there yeah. who does have that little grain of information Absolutely. that brings it back to us. And we're yeah. able to just have that light bulb moment again yep. and say, thank you. That's what we'd miss. I love that. That, that, love that, that. little chink. And it, it, again, it's that thread yep. that leads yep. you to a new connection of understanding. And the nice thing is that, you know, if we um, were to attach, you know, sort of an imprecise uh, description for an object and someone emails in and says, actually, it's not that, it's this... The wonderful thing about that is that we've we've now learned and we will never do that again. And um, so all the time we're getting better and better and better as gallerists and as, as dealers and collectors and, and researchers and chroniclers of all of this. And that makes us more useful for our clients and, uh, and, and who are, you know, both, uh, um, you know, they're, they're collectors and, and uh, museum curators and so on. And, and so it's, it's just, it's fabulous getting richer all the time with this knowledge. For me, that's absolutely where the wealth is. I often asked, oh, could I see your collection? It must be amazing. You've been buying for so long and you've been so focused on this one area. And I explained to people over and over again, it's not what drives me. I'm not a collector. I don't collect things. I collect understandings. I collect mm. information mm. and facts about the things. Mm. And I will keep something until I found out as much as I possibly can about it. And then I'm quite happy to let it go because it's that quest for the understanding yes. rather than the quest for owning things that really drives me. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I mean, economists would call this human capital. It, it, it's, it's education, it's experience, it's, it's just general knowledge all rolled into one. And uh, it, it's what's interesting is that, you know, of course there's physical capital, uh, you know, real estate and so on, then there's financial capital, money and whatever, and then there's human capital. And um, 
The interesting thing about human capital is that it's the one type of capital that cannot be divorced from you. Absolutely. So you can be left with nothing and, uh, you know, only the clothes you're dressed in, but you will always have your human capital while, you, while you've still got your mind. And this maps out very well with uh, uh, people, eth ethnic groups that have um, been in difficult circumstances and so on. Uh, these are the groups that tend to overinvest in education and, and human capital because they know that if they have to flee and, and lose everything, they take, they, they take it with them they, and they can start up again. So, for example, Jewish people um, in history have, as we know, they, they've often faced persecution and difficulties uh, in, in their domestic um, situations. So they've always been great investors in education. And, and therefore, you know, today we find that um, Jewish uh, groups do extremely well uh, across the world and are huge contributors to, to um, you know, to music and science and whatever because of this incredible investment in education because Land it's a basis. form of capital they can take with them. And other groups are the same. Um, they, they uh, you know, if they're under pressure, they, they invest in something that is safe and they can take with them. Something that I'd really like to mention because it took me by surprise quite recently about the the ownership of the information and what you choose to do with that and how you impart that. I was having a conversation with someone and I said I felt very privileged that something had happened around work and um, they said, but that comes from being respected, for always being able to say, I found out more, mm. I got that wrong. Yes, yes. And also always striving to tell the truth because what matters is the truth of the object rather than a quick turnover by saying absolutely anything yes. to make a sale to someone who maybe uh, yes. doesn't have that level of understanding. Yes. And I think that the thing you gain as well as that knowledge is people do respect that you've taken the time mm. to put your work and energy into that level of understanding yeah. and then share it. Well, that's the thing, that's actually. The that's thing. a really Sharing good it. point because that is one of the great pleasures of what we do. Yeah, of course, we, we buy, you know, and we sell and whatever. But I love the idea of sharing the information and, and uh, sharing with like-minded people, you know, what we've found out and, and so on and the stories of an object. It's just a wonderful thing. And I think I've done that all my life because in the past when I wrote books, I mean, as you know, you, unless you've written Harry Potter, you, you, you're not earning much from writing. But it's I love the idea of communicating with people who I often don't know. And, um, and that's what we do perhaps with our website is that we put a lot of information on our website and um, people all around the world can access it and, and learn and we might never know who they are but but I, I just like that idea. When I first started uh, in this business I remember uh, one dealer saying to me oh don't put much information on your website other people will gain from it for free and I thought what a negative you yeah. know so what a, what a sort of a very negative small-minded uh, viewpoint that was. But 20 and years ago the world of dealing jewellery was like that as well. Yes. I don't tell people what it is. Everybody will be able to recognise it when they find one yes. and buy it. And oh, then I won't shocking. be able to. <laughs> yeah. And think, what a mean spirit. It is mean-spirited. And the one thing about knowledge is that um, it's, as, as economists would call it, it's a public good. Um, the fact that one person possesses it doesn't diminish it for other people. And if it... it shared it grows and everybody Absolutely. can add their experience and their understanding yes. to it and that's an incredibly powerful thing yeah there's another aspect that i think that spark of interest things leave the gallery here 
Mm. And many of them go into museum collections. Indeed, yes. And because they've been clearly researched here, they have a valid place within that collection. People that we will never meet will encounter those pieces in those museums all around the world and it will spark something for them that sets them on a journey of understanding a little more, maybe wanting to pursue other pieces relevant to that one. Yes. And even after it's gone from here and our phase of research, understanding and handling and loving that piece is over, there's the potential for it to spark that for someone yes. else somewhere else that we never even met. Yeah, that, that's exactly, that's well said. I was just thinking as you were saying that, it is quite, it's quite funny when you've been very close to an object, you've researched it, you've spotted it somewhere and, and um, you know, we, we, we often, well, most of what we buy, we, we, we acquire from old UK and European collections. And so very often it is a, a process of sleuthing and, and researching and uh, identifying misidentified objects giving them the right attribution and, and then getting them into a museum. But the funny thing is when, when you've been through that process and you've become quite close to the object and really loved her and, and it's really been your object, your baby, and then when it's sold to a museum and it's on display and you're standing there, and I've had this um, situation a number of times when I've gone to an exhibition and something we've sold to the museum is there, and it's no longer mine, but it is mine, but it's not. And and it's I'm like <laughs> you've been I'm on like, a journey with that piece. Well, it's uh, part yes, of your consciousness. Yes. So so the object is kind of almost estranged from me because it, it's, it's physically distant. There's usually glass uh, now, a glass case between me and the object. And what, what's quite funny is often um, when you might have a, a like a security card or someone sort of saying, hey, you know, don't get too close. Step back. And, yeah, step back. And I think, well, excuse me. Hang on, that was, <laughs> yeah, that was in my hand. Exactly, it wouldn't be <laughs> As here. I turned it over to look yeah. underneath but of it. But yes, and you can imagine sort of trying to explain that and, and then sort of saying, oh, yeah, go on. Um, but, um, but, but that it, connection, yes. it remains. You see oh, something yes. remotely yes. from where you first found it and you first learned it and there's there's something quite magical about that as well as odd. You feel as if yeah. you've set off um, a spark of potential understanding and delight into the world for other people to encounter and experience what you did when you first saw something and understood that it had intrinsic value for what it represented mm. as well as the things that it's made from or its physical yeah. self. I also find the process of taking an object that looks quite ordinary sometimes, but, but you suspect that it has quite an interesting past and an interesting story. And, and then you research it, you write it up, and the item is not physically changed, but it, the value of it changes, and, and it can be the commercial value, but also just, just the, the value to society and, and, and to art history, is quite changed. And, and you've somehow made it into something else quite significantly different, but it's not physically changed in any way. A dimension is added, but it's Very not a physical much. dimension. And I, this is one thing that I know, um, I originally trained as an economist. Economists can't cope with this um, because the item has not physically changed, but oddly, you have added a lot of value to it. And, and that I find an intriguing process that uh, you've made it into something else, but you haven't touched it. Yeah, and for me, the context is important in its own right. But the fact that it adds value as well, that, yes. you know, 
that's quite something. Yeah. Um, so, so I think what you know, for, in terms of going back to the original um, idea of curiosity and staying curious, I mean, it, it, it's easy in some respects because um, we never seem to run out of different things. Uh, I never know what's going to come in through the door next, and what someone might bring me, or what we might buy or see, and and that that's so fascinating. Um, and I love the fact that, um, um, say, with our website and our monthly catalogues and so on, we're always finding new things. I mean, if I was like a, a dealer where, I, you know, people would bring me back stuff that I'd sold to them and we'd put it back on the website, um, it's so it's so boring, actually, to, you know, to have to sort of deal with... Or if you specialise in, in tiles or, or something and um, it was just, you know, putting it through as if you're selling T-shirts, it, it would be... Yeah, it's yeah, absolutely individuality and never knowing where that journey is going to lead yes. you because you don't yes. know what you're going to find next yes. and you don't know what avenue of research it will take you down i recently acquired some turquoise which i know nothing about mm. and i was trying to find out which mine oh, yes. it may have come from oh, from the look from the Quiet. veins from you know the integrity and it was something I never considered. Oh, I think I'll go and just learn about yeah, turquoise. Yeah. But an object comes along and it takes you on a path. It takes you on a journey yes. that it instigates, yes. that it evolves. And along that journey, you discover other things that you weren't aware that you ever needed to look into or learn about. That's it's so right. fluid. Yes, you it's end up so becoming, organic. You, need you to feel become, quite free. Yeah, you need to become like an expert in um, um, all sorts of things. You've got to become an expert in migration and in trade and yep. uh, in economics back then in and in culture. And, and yeah, religion. in historical power dynamics in different places at yes. different times and what influences that brings. It isn't a one... Um, one topic yeah. kind of an environment that we work in you have to bring in so many threads from different historical and yeah it, it's a wide thing well this is the paradox of of being a collector is that collectors are perhaps thought of as being quite materialistic because they, they've got a lot of possessions and if you're kind of really um seriously collecting you've probably got thousands of, of items and um but ironically you're not materialistic, in fact, because what you're doing is collecting stories and uh, you're collecting facts and you're collecting mosaic parts of the past which overall tell an incredible story. And you're the conduit to keep that story alive. That's right. If you hadn't taken the time to consider, be enthused yes. by and inquisitive about that piece... Yes then that story stays there within that piece and it isn't pushed out into the world again. And being able to just bring that alive again, that, mm. that's a privilege. And in that regard, it's really important to remember that collectors are essentially curators. They are, they're private curators. They're curators not being paid for by the taxpayer. Yeah. They're actually um, they're, they're doing a job just as important as, as people working in institutions. And very often, uh, many of the great institutions, like the Met and the British Museum, are, are assemblages of people's private collections. Which become... Uh, yeah in part of a museum yep. collection over time. Absolutely. Yep. And the important thing with private collectors is that they collect over a lifetime. 
they're not just collecting because they're wanting to, you know, have the next promotion or something like that, or they're going to slide from one institution to the next or one pay uh, level to another. Private collectors will have a, a, a collecting curating span of maybe 60 or 70 years. And an absolute passion for something yes. that can be a very niche area Yes. that gets preserved, understood and researched because of that person's passion That's and enthusiasm exactly right. yes. for something that can mm -hmm. be absolutely, you know, complete left-field niche object that mm. fascinates them and they start to gather them, to understand them and then before you know it, you have a collection. Indeed, indeed. And they're putting their own money into it as well, not, not someone else's. <laughs> and, and so. investing in preserving as well as having things preserving the object themselves mm. and the significance of those pieces. So I think to summarise, what we can say is that we can stay curious while the world keeps throwing up new objects. I think that <laughs> I will panic when I stop becoming <laughs> no. curious. I know. I think the day we, 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 the day we think we've seen it all is the day to, to, to basically go. Really interesting little um, comment on the end of this one. Um, been in lockdown for a long time mm. and back in the gallery recording podcast, which is great. Um, so in the last week, been able to go to a salon, tidy myself up a bit before I go out into the world. And I was wearing a huge amber <laughs> necklace. Right. And the girl who was taking care of me said, I like your necklace. And I said, thank you. And she said, is it significant? What does it mean? And it's the first time someone who isn't a collector had said to me, What's the significance of the necklace you're wearing? And it really took me aback. And I just thought, she should be a collector. Fantastic. That's, that's yeah. One, <laughs> She's she got the enthusiasm. She should. She's inquisitive. Oh, you should. Did you get her details? <laughs> I, I, gave her, I gave her a link to the website. <laughs> Fantastic. Well done. Okay. Thank you, Sarah. Cheers, Michael. <laughs> you have been listening to the World Art Now podcast in association with Michael Backman Limited. To hear more, visit worldartnow.com.